You're listening to the Jets Nation Podcast. I'm Cody Bueller, joined by my brother Kyle. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about Jacob Truba and his recent contract in arbitration. We're going to take a look at some of the other recent signings, Tanev, Dano, and Pullman. And then, of course, we'll wrap up by taking a look at who's left to sign for the Winnipeg Jets. All right, so first off, uh, kind of a polarizing figure in Winnipeg, and I'm sure this one could get a little bit, I don't know if heated is the right word, but we could have some interesting debate on Jacob Truba for the Winnipeg Jets uh, going to arbitration just before this last weekend after our last podcast. Uh, It actually went through the whole arbitration process. And so now uh, he has been awarded a one-year contract for $5.5 million. He's still going to be a restricted free agent at the end of this deal. And so then, basically, we could see the next thing next summer. Uh, your initial thoughts, Kyle, were you surprised at all that this kind of went through the whole process? Well, I am surprised. And the reason I'm surprised is he's pretty much has his name in the history books now because so few people actually go through the entire arbitration process. Uh, over the last two seasons, over 50 uh, players electing arbitration, well, only one was actually settled by arbitration, and that was Nate Schmidt. Well, now there's been two settled by arbitration out of the 60-plus cases now that have been filed. So it, it's still extremely rare that this actually happens. Am I necessarily surprised that Truba was one of them? Not really, given his history. It's been well-documented, his past and his thoughts and uh, maybe his wanting to be in the city, whether or not that's true. Um but I would say I'm not overly surprised that it actually came to this for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, I'm not surprised either because of exactly what you said. We talk about the holdout a couple of years ago. It's kind of the exact same situation. Jacob Truba wanted more money than the Winnipeg Jets were willing to offer. Two years ago, before this last contract, they were far apart. He didn't have arbitration rights, so he just held out. Eventually, they were able to come to terms and he rejoined the team. This situation, again, he held out. They just had a a solution to fix it. They went to arbitration. So now 5.5, you happy with that number? You think it's too high, too low? I think that's kind of what we said it was going to be approximately. Yeah, I think it's actually a fairly generous uh, amount considering it's only one season. And we talked a little bit last podcast about if you're buying the long-term deal, you're buying those UFA years, that's when the cap hit starts to creep up. And a lot of people maybe figured you could get Truba at 5.5 for a six-year term is maybe what a lot of people were expecting. I thought it was maybe closer to the $6 million range if it was going to be a six-year term. That being said, only a one-year deal at 5.5 is actually decent value for, or it's okay value. I think it's maybe a little bit on the high side. It's good for Truba is what I'm saying is that he got maybe a little bit more for only a one-year deal. He doesn't have to commit long-term. He doesn't have to commit till he's a UFA and he still gets... I would say within a couple hundred thousand of what he's probably offered anyways. So now, what do you do if you're the Winnipeg Jets? You have this defenseman on the blue line who has this potential, who is excellent, who is your top-pairing defenseman right now, essentially, on the right side. He's still young. He's got one more year left of RFA status. What do you do with Jacob Truba? Well, by one year left, you mean one year a- after left this season? After this season, he's got one more year as an RFA. Oh, this is the big question now. So we can talk all we want about does Trubo want to be here, all that sort of stuff. None of that really matters. It, it does to a point, but now it's where do you go from here? You can argue all you want. Do you like Truba? Do you not? Is he selfish, self-centered? We might get into that later. But the It question, might happen. That's where it's going to get heated, I think, if we get into it. The question for Shevel Dayoff now is, what do you do with Jacob Truba? Here's my initial thought. 
You control him for two more seasons, guaranteed. He's still an RFA next summer. He will go through arbitration most likely again, but you have that opportunity to extend him to a multi-year deal next summer. Actually, you can do it as of January 1st, 2019, as per the arbitration rules. You can start negotiating. So he is able to be signed to a long-term deal next summer. And I just you still, don't think he no, wants but, a long-term deal. But okay, you can, okay, yes. right? So you do not need to trade Truba this summer or this year because you guaranteed will have him for one more season after this. So it doesn't necessarily mean Chevrolet has to make a move instantly. It does mean that if Chevrolet does not get a, a long-term deal done next summer, then he's going to have to think about trading Truba. The only issue at that point is that Truba's value is going to be decreasing from then on because he's inching closer to being a UFA and free to sign wherever. I liken this to the Eric Carlson situation where a team doesn't want to trade for Eric Carlson if he's not going to re-sign next season when he's a UFA. It'll be the same for Jacob Truba. Let's say, for instance, the Leafs wanted Jacob Truba. They're not going to trade for him if they believe they can sign him for free within a year. And, and that's why his value is going to be decreasing starting in the summer of 2019. Exactly. And so right now he has his most value because you have him under contract this year. And then again, he's an RFA afterwards. I think the way that this process has gone and perceptions are just from my own perceptions, I feel he doesn't really want to be in Winnipeg and that there's at least or at least he doesn't want to be in Winnipeg for the amount of money the Jets are offering. I don't think the Jets are going to be able to pony up more cash for Jacob Truba, based on who else is going to be a free agent with Line A, Connor, Wheeler, etc., I don't think they're going to be able to pony up the cash to sign him long-term, and they're going to all of a sudden magically have it in their budget. Because assuming he's playing well at the beginning of this year, he's only going to want more money. He's not going to want less. And the Jets aren't going to magically have more money to give him. I don't think Jacob Truba is going to be a Winnipeg Jet long-term. Which begs a question for Chevaldeoff. So then now what do you do? Exactly. If you can't get him signed once the extension period comes available in January, I think you need to look at trading him after this season is over. Because of, and the Hockey News predicted, Stanley Cup, Winnipeg Jets 2019. Everything is coming into this next season for the Winnipeg Jets to be a contender. They have a little bit of cap space, and we're going to get into that in a moment with a lot of players already under contract. The Jets look like they're going to be a good team again. They've got a lot of guys coming back from last year, almost hardly anybody missing except for Stastny. But again, the Jets were a good team before the deadline. A lot of the young players are still progressing. Guys are still getting better. There's not a lot of drop-off for the Winnipeg Jets. And so for them, heading into this season, they need Jacob Truba if they want to go on a long playoff run, I think. Yeah. If you have a player like that kind of asset, I think you take him through this playoff run. If you can't sign him to an extended deal, next offseason is when you get a ton of value for him. You get teams will have him for a full season as an RFA and under contract. Or even if you go to arbitration, can the Jets still pick a two year contract at the end of arbitration next time? Yeah, I believe they actually could choose if it's a one year deal or two year deal. Obviously, this year choosing the one. Next year, like you said, you might all of a sudden choose the two. And then his you, trade value goes way up. Right. You would have to look into if it's possible for a guy becoming a UFA after that contract, if there's any stipulations like that. We'd have to read into a little bit more, but potentially an option going forward for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, so I'm fully on board whether he wants to be here or not. Keep him this entire season and then deal him in the offseason if 
he's not willing, because you're going to know, and I'm sure the Jets front office knows if they're going to be able to sign him long-term realistically. I think they're going to have a pretty good idea on this. I think then after this year, he could be gone. So then quickly touch on, unless you wanted to touch on this more, what would you get for Jacob Truba or what would you want for him in return? Is there a player kind of in your mind or a type of player that you're looking? Well, it depends what we're looking at here. And right now we're looking at the short term. And like you said, this next season, if you keep Truba the entire season, which I also think you should, because if you are building a true contender, which the Winnipeg Jets are, you need Jacob Truba in your lineup. Or you need just as good of a roster player in return. And I think that's tough for the Winnipeg Jets to get for Jacob Truba right now. So next season, if you trade him in the summer of 2019, a year from now, what do you get back? Well, you're also probably going to be looking for a roster player because you are a contender. You, you don't want those picks. You don't want those prospects. You want guys that can step in and help you win a Stanley Cup because that's where the Winnipeg Jets are trending right now. So I think that's what the Winnipeg Jets are going to want going forward from Jacob Truba. The other thing to look at and... Uh, Looking down the road a little bit, if you look at the Jets' right-hand defenseman, Tyler Myers has one year left on his contract. He's going to be up. Does he re-sign in Winnipeg? Maybe, maybe not. And see, that's the thing, right? So if you play with Myers out the rest of this season, do you then re-sign Myers in the offseason and keep him as your second right-shot defenseman on the right side at maybe a little bit of a lower hit? And the other problem is now in two years' time, if Jacob Trubo walks as UFA, Tyler Meyer walks as UFA, you're left with only a 35-year-old Dustin Bufflin at that point as your only right-hand defenseman. Other and yeah, Tucker, Tucker Pullman, Pullman is, yeah. is going to be in the lineup at that time. But there goes your most coveted position, your right-hand defenseman, goes from arguably best in the league to a 35-year-old Dustin Bufflin being paid almost $8 million. And that's the the quick turnaround within two years that the Winnipeg Jets have to look at. So if you're the Jets, it might seem counterintuitive, but maybe you need to trade Truba for his exact same position and get a right shot defenseman back. And that's what a lot of people have been saying. And so then the question is, how do you get another right shot defenseman back in return? And so now I would be of the mindset, it really depends on how Sammy Niku progresses this next season. If Niku turns into a top four defenseman, that really shores up the left side. And then all of a sudden, the left side becomes a strength with Morrissey, Niku as your top two on the left, Bufflin, Myers on the right. Then all of a sudden, you have a not too bad of a problem. If you're trading Truba next offseason and you have the offseason situation where you sign Myers and then you trade Truba, it doesn't really matter necessarily what side the player is on, preferably right side. But we, we look at some comparables uh, to Jacob Truba, there's Colton Pareko in St. Louis. Similar cap hit, similar points per game, similar time on ice. He's a comparable. Jacob Slavin out of Carolina, Hampus Lindholm, Dmitry Orlov. There's a lot of comparables to Jacob Truba. And I think what the Winnipeg Jets are going to want to look for is a player who's maybe kind of on the bubble of one of those teams who maybe hasn't been necessarily a quite a good fit in the dressing room or there's a reason that they would want them out, similar to a reason why Jacob Truba would want out of Winnipeg. Not because they're a bad player, but maybe just other things going on that they would like to be in a different spot. Or the Winnipeg Jets could go with somebody who's a little bit younger, maybe a year or two younger than Truba, who's kind of ready to step in to that kind of full-time role. Yeah, so there's a couple options here if you're trading. Like you said, you maybe trade for someone who's on the bubble, something like that. I think Truba maybe doesn't have quite the value as some of those other players just because of his history, given his struggles with signing long-term deals, might make teams wary a little bit of trying to sign him, and that might offer might make the other teams offer slightly less. Maybe you trade Jacob Truba and a good prospect to get an even better defenseman, like a, a, a full-time 
can step right into the lineup, be a top pairing, second pairing defenseman right away. Maybe it's a Truba and a Patan to get that done. Maybe you have to give up uh, a Roslovic and you get a superstar right shot defenseman to kind of lead the way in the next five or so years. There's so many options because the piece doesn't just have to be Jacob Truba. There are other options that can be moved going forward. But I think, again, this doesn't happen until the end of next season or the end of this next season. Yeah, I would agree. I think you have to play out 2018, 2019, this next season, and and make your run at the Cup. Because Truba signed at 5.5, it's a good deal for Truba because he's locked in for only one year, can re-up next year. It's also good for the Jets because... If they had signed him for multiple years, like we were saying, it probably would have been closer to that $6 million range. So they so, do save. So they do save $500,000. You can bring in a guy at the trade deadline because you have that extra cap, because Stassi didn't re-sign either. You have that extra space. You're able to bring in a guy at the trade deadline and really contend, just like last season, and try to win the cup while Truba is here. Yeah, so that just gives the Jets a little bit more options. And it's funny, I'm just thinking here about going back to last offseason, to this offseason, a team that missed the playoffs, to a team that was on the cusp of going to the Stanley Cup final. Just the talk around the team is a lot more exciting this year uh, opposed to last. So now we want to take a look at some of the other signings that the Winnipeg Jets did here just this last week. All right, so in this next segment, actually, before we get there, Kyle, uh, I understand you've got some pretty big articles coming out about Jacob Truba. Yeah, so t- stay tuned to Jets Nation in the upcoming days. Uh, kind of j- exactly what we talked about for the last few minutes is is just dissecting this whole arbitration deal. Obviously, obviously it's a huge deal for the franchise. It's a huge deal for Truba himself, and, and it's such a far-reaching deal. Like we talked about, trades could be on the way. It impacts the salary cap. It impacts the teammates. My other thought was... Um, for the upcoming season, does Maurice try to tr- or up Truba's value? Maybe he gets some power play time in the upcoming season. Or do you want Morrissey playing with somebody else to get used to a different player? There's such a wide-reaching impact that this has across the organization. So stay tuned in the upcoming days to JetsNation.ca. A couple of great articles coming out. You can check those out soon. All right, so next up, though, in this segment, though, we want to look at the three other players that the Winnipeg Jets have signed. And it's kind of once that first domino fell, then the other three kind of came quickly after. Brandon Tanev, I think, was announced even that the day after or the day of. And then just recently, Marco Dano and Tucker Pullman. So quick notes on all of these, Kyle. Yeah, so uh, Brandon Tanev was actually the first guy signed. $1.15 million. I think that was a little bit high for his deal. Um, I think he definitely got over, a little bit overinflated due to his playoff performance. If you look at his stats, he had eight goals all season. Three was on one night against Boston. Most people remember that game. Um, but I he, do. He had four goals in only 17 playoff games. So definitely increased his value through that playoff run, scoring multiple times. Uh, definitely shouldn't be shouldn't get used to Tanev doing that that being said he's a very useful bottom six player he can he can kill penalties he can draw penalties you could argue he's not actually a good penalty killer he kind of just slides around <laughs> and hopes to block it but regardless he's on the team it's a good signing maybe slightly more money than it should have been but it's only one year and uh, I, I believe he's a, a UFA after this so it'll be interesting to see if he comes back or not. Yeah, Tanev is already 26 and that's the thing because he came out of college he was a little bit older when he started hasn't been around as many seasons but uh, he does have that little bit of a later start on a lot of other guys. The other two contracts signed I think on the same day as well uh, that is Tucker Pullman and Marco Dano and let's stick with the forwards uh, Dano first. Yeah, so Dano also a one-year deal. It's only eight hundred thousand, so very minimum type deal. Um, 
I see Daniel being in the same role as he has been since he came to the Winnipeg Jets. He's going to be a press box player. He's going to be fighting for his life, fighting for his career, essentially, and trying to get into the lineup at, at any possible moment. It might be slightly easier now that Joel Armia's gone, but you look at the other guys that were waiting for a spot to open up, and Patan's on that list, Veselainen's on that list, Brendan Lemieux's on that list. There are plenty of guys still fighting for that final spot, and Dano is just one of them. Yeah, so under a million for a guy like that who's 23, who has played well when he has slotted in the lineup in emergency situations like that. And for the guy, I kind of feel for the guy. You never want to be the guy in the press box. And so maybe he will get some more time. If he's playing well enough, sure, let's give him some more time. The interesting thing with Dano as well is that a, a one-way deal, meaning he can't go to the moose unless he clears waivers. Uh, so this means that he's probably locked into the press box role again. So even tougher, uh, we saw last year Patan going down to the moose and, and getting minutes and playing games. Well, Dano's kind of maybe locked into that press box role even more so now after this contract. And so now the other contract getting signed here, and there was kind of some interesting stuff with this one that you uh, have some stats on. Tucker Pullman, a three-year deal. Uh, it's a cap hit of seven. Or a point seven seven five million, so he's making an average of seven hundred and seventy five thousand uh, for the next three seasons, which will take him to uh, UFA. He's also twenty five because he went the college route. Uh, but here's a guy who the Jets, I think, have plans to be almost in the starting six this next year. Yeah, this is an extremely valuable contract, especially for three years down the road. He he played quite well last season uh, between the Moose and the Jets. Split his time between the two. He's a very steady defenseman. He, he plays his minutes, he makes smart plays, he doesn't take chances, he just does his job, goes out there and plays hockey. And the Winnipeg Jets like that about him, especially with, on the right side, Dustin Bufflin and Tyler Myers, they like to join the rush, they like to take those chances. Well, now you can have the third-pairing right-shot defenseman, um, regardless of where Truba is, Pullman is just kind of that steady defender that you know what you're going to get from him. And I think that's extremely valuable going forward. Like you said, he should be in the plans uh, in the future. A couple interesting things to note about this contract. So it's a three-year deal. Um, it's a one-way contract. And usually one-way contracts means you have to clear waivers to get to be sent down to the AHL level to the Manitoba Moose. Well, um, Tucker Pullman actually is waivers exempt. Currently, you need to play at least two seasons or 60 games to be eligible for, wa for waivers. He has not passed that yet, only playing in the 30 amount of games last year, only one season under his belt. So he can play most of this season and still go up and down as needed. And then essentially that one-way contract will take effect in the 2019-2020 season. He'll have passed those thresholds. And from there, he won't be able to be sent back down. So as of right now, we can actually bump back and forth, similar to like we saw last year. But going forward, it's a smart move by Pullman being able to get a one-way contract because in the next two years time, he's going to be able to stick with the, with the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, and I think uh, having him on the right side is great if one of those guys goes down with injury. Plus, I don't mind slotting him in even on the left side, depending uh, if needed and how the pairs are looking. I know he's going to want to play top six. Hopefully he can get some of that this next season. Could be a press box guy as well uh, for, a couple of or for a couple of nights. Now, basically that wraps up all of the players who have been signed so far. Uh, I know there have been some other guys that were signed uh, a little bit earlier. Uh, Joe Morrow, he was signed right away. Uh, Connor Hellebuck, he's already got a deal. And so now we kind of want to look at our final segment as to players coming up. 
So the last segment is taking a look at what the Winnipeg Jets still have to do this offseason. We see Josh Morrissey as the biggest name left up for the defense for the Winnipeg Jets. He's an RFA. And then they've got four other RFAs. Nicholas Cardillis, who they acquired in that trade. Eric Comrie, Nick Patan, and JC Lapons. So your thoughts on these guys? Well, there's pretty much th- three important players. One very important player and then two maybe medium important players and two that don't really factor into the Jets' plans. Uh, obviously, Josh Morrissey is the number one player left on Kevin Shevoldayoff's list. It, he's your number one left-shot defenseman. He's big plans for the future of the Winnipeg Jets. He is the, the biggest ticket item going forward now left to sign. What is he going to sign for? A lot of people were talking maybe a bridge deal of, of two years or so, and then he can maybe really show you what he's got in the next two years. Maybe they go long-term deal. I think it'll be in the four to six year range rather than a a bridge deal. I'm thinking probably a four-year deal is going to get it done anywhere. So tough to guess. Maybe in the, the three to four million range as well. I say you lock this down, this guy down for a while. He is your number one left shot defenseman. He's 23. He's been durable. He's been consistent. He's been progressing. He's everything you want in a left shot defenseman. He was drafted high. He has the pedigree. I see no reason why you don't try and lock him up. Just like we were talking with Jacob Truba on the last time before that bridge deal. We wanted him with the long-term deal. I think you want, uh, just so you know what's going on on the left side, if you can sign him to a six, eight-year deal, lock this guy up. We want Josh Morrissey on the team. And I think that $4 million, $5 million, even if you have to go up to $5 million for Josh Morrissey to get a long-term deal done, I think you do it. Yeah, I agree, and I think this could be a steal if that does happen because, like you said, if Truba's not going to be in the long-term plans for the Winnipeg Jets, there's so much cap space free because of that. You can allocate that to Morrissey for the next six, seven years, and Morrissey, if you look at his junior numbers, he was a fantastic quarterback on the power play. In the WHL, his numbers were very good in the offensive sense. He has that offensive flair to his game. We haven't seen that much at the NHL level, because he's getting absolutely zero power play time, but he has that ability. If he gets the chance to quarterback a power play in a, in a couple seasons, maybe when Myers leaves, if Bufflin leaves three or four years down the road, Morrissey could be the guy to step in as that maybe quarterback on the first unit power play. So I think if you lock him in for that four to five million per year in six or seven years down the road, that could be a massive bargain. Yeah, and then that's really what it is about getting a long-term contract like that. It can be a bargain when players, you sign them early on for this value that's kind of fair, hoping that they progress and that you're getting a deal later on in the contract. And I think that's definitely possible with Josh Morrissey. I hope it happens based on what we've seen, what we've heard. I have no doubt that this is going to get done. We don't really know. But I think it's going to be unfolding differently than the Jacob Truba saga. Uh, the other players, though, you said kind of, he was your elite that you need to get done. The other two, Eric Comrie, Nick Patan, both of those guys are valuable for the Winnipeg Jets organization. Comrie as a potential backup, battling with Brassois. And then Patan, obviously, as a potential for the roster. A guy who could play somewhere in your middle six Uh, I would kind of hazard a guess, potentially even on the fourth line. I don't think he's suited necessarily for a shutdown role like that, but somewhere in an offensive role. 
I don't think those guys are going to get super long deals, and I don't think they're going to get super lots of money, probably under a million. Yeah, both these players not eligible for arbitration yet just due to the fact they haven't played enough seasons so far. Um, Patan's very similar to Dano. We talked extensively about Dano before. Same type of situation, trying to crack the lineup, trying to crack second, third, fourth line, any line that has a spot they're trying to get in the lineup. He's been back and forth. The last couple seasons actually starting the season with the Winnipeg Jets and then getting sent down. So he has had the opportunity. You could argue it's been with horrendous team line mates and teammates. Well, that's true, but he has actually made the team for the last couple seasons. So it'll be interesting to see if he makes the team again out of training camp and, and how to go from there. Um, and then Eric Comrie, we kind of talked about it uh, when we talked about Brassois coming in. They're kind of fighting for that backup role behind Hellebuck. It could be either one of those guys. The other guy is going to be the heavy starter for the Moose. So regardless, I think um, it's going to be one of those two guys. It's just a matter of who is where. And they might be very similar type of players as a backup or for the Moose. It maybe is interchangeable for Comrie. But regardless, I think you're you're right. It's not going to be big money deals. It's not going to be big term deals. It's going to be one to two years. It's going to be under a million dollars for both these types of players. Now, the other two players, uh, Nicholas Cardillis, he was the guy who was acquired in uh, for Chase DeLeo uh, a couple of weeks back from Anaheim. Uh, and JC Lapon uh, is a player who's been in the organization for a while. Lapon's 25, Cardillis 24. Both of these guys, I don't think, are really any threat of making the NHL. There's really no way these guys are going to make it at this point. I think Lapon, he's played a couple games for the Jets. He hits hard, he flies around the ice, but the, the offense ability just isn't there to keep up in the NHL today. And I think with Kerdilis, I haven't really seen him, don't really know him much as a prospect. Both of those guys, if they do get signed, great. If not, I don't think it's a really big loss for the Jets. No, exactly. Well, I, either way, Kevin Chevalier has to fill out the roster, right? Yeah, so somebody's uh, got to be there in the but moose. But if, if you look at Comrie, Patan, Dano, with all these recent signings, once these signings are done, Morrissey, you, you pretty much have your NHL roster set, uh, essentially, especially if Veselainen's coming in. You essentially have your roster done for the Winnipeg Jets, and now you still have to fill out the Manitoba Moose roster. So there could be a few signings, and we saw those in the last couple of years, uh, Schilling, Scarbosa, players like that. Uh, Howden, just to fill out the roster. That's going to be what Chevaldeoff is working for the rest of the summer once he gets these bigger deals done. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Christian Veselainen doesn't have a deal yet, does he? Yeah, so Veselainen doesn't actually have a, an NHL contract yet. He would also have to be put on that list to sign. Uh, doesn't specifically have to sign or anything like that. Um, he doesn't need to have a contract specifically for this next season. But with that being said, if he's going to be at training camp, if he's going to be working on playing for the Jets this year. He's going to need a contract. And it's interesting for those guys who are playing in Europe, playing against men already. You don't need to sign them to a contract just to have them play for the Moose either because they're already playing professional hockey. So you can maybe leave them for one more year you don't need to bring him over to play for the Moose because he's already playing against that competition. Right, and you still have the rights. Exactly, compared to a guy coming out of junior, a little bit different situation. But if you if you do want them on the Moose, you do have to sign them to a contract. Yes, exactly. Yes, but that, you don't I, just, I just wanted to clarify your statement. Yeah, you just don't need to sign him to a contract at all because if he's not playing for the Jets, well, he can go back to Europe. So it doesn't really force your hand for his development for at all. Right, so the Winnipeg Jets need to decide whether or not they want him in North America this next season from indications I've heard. I'm hoping that he will be here this next year. Uh, again, we're still obviously waiting on a lot of news as we make our way through the month of July. Still early, still a long time before training camp and before things start getting going. Well, that pretty much does it. That wraps up our podcast for today. Is there anything else you wanted to add, Kyle? 
No, that's pretty much it. Kevin Shevlayoff, I think so far, I would give him a, a pretty positive grade, probably in the, the A minus B plus range. I think he's done a great job so far. A uh, little bit of work left to do for Shevlayoff, but the majority is done from here on out. So now here's one other question. We've only really been concerned about players that the Winnipeg Jets have re-signed. They haven't actually added anything to the roster since that trade, the Steve Mason, Joel Armia trade. And even then in return, we didn't really get a player that's going to be on the roster this next season. Do the Winnipeg Jets need to add or do anything here over the next couple of weeks? Well, there isn't much room to add. And like we said, the roster is almost entirely filled out, especially if you count Patan, Dano, those types of players on the roster. You're looking at, you don't need a defenseman at all. You're fully outfitted with eight currently, um, with Sherratt and Pullman being that extra pairing, assuming Niku's up as well. So you have the kind of the eight defensemen. You have plenty of forwards there's really no need for the Winnipeg Jets to add anything from outside like a Matthias or a Hendricks or anything like that because your younger players have taken those next steps. You no longer need to bring in that that depth from outside the organization. So I think it's going to be a little bit lighter side for Kevin Sheveldayoff compared to last season signing Kulikov, Mason, Hendricks. I don't think we're going to see those types of deals this year. Well, that does it for the Jets Station podcast. If there's anything you want us to talk about, hit us up on Twitter at Jets and Podcast. Find all of the Jets Nation podcasts at jetsnation.ca.